welcome to Game Sense. I'm your host, Michael Alvaro. In today's episode, we recap the massive Central W Grand Final, how the Northern Academies fared in the Coates Talent League and the recent Victorian under-18 trial matches. Let's get stuck into it. As always, I'm joined by Rookie Me Central Chief Editor Peter Williams. Thanks for joining me today, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Been a very busy week and few weeks uh, in terms of uh, footy action. So I uh, can't wait to, I guess, digest what's happened and, and really get out there. There's plenty to digest and um, no less in South Australia, of course, where we both were um, out at Prospect to watch the Sample W Grand Final, of course. Central District 4-7-31, defeating South Adelaide 4-4-28. It was one of the more remarkable games of football you'll ever see. Maybe one of the more controversial finishes as well. So maybe start with that, Pete. Talk to me about the game and, of course, what happened in the end. Yeah, I, I think most people who were there couldn't believe what they were witnessing throughout the whole match because uh, as anyone who's watched it this season knows, South Adelaide, the best defensive team in the league, Central District, the best attacking team. Um you would have been fair to write Central District off halfway through the game because they'd lost Georgia Avery, the ruck, in the first seven minutes. Had to throw Charlotte Riggs into the ruck for the most part uh, and rotate with Caitlin Rosenzweig. Um, and you would have thought that, that would be it. Once Riggs went down with an injury, she came off and they were down by a couple of goals. It was, yeah, it was looking bad for Central for a while. Even though they were still holding up, they were doing the best they could. They'd lost two of their tools. So, um the big benefit, though, was the crowd. And I think no one can underestimate the support that the Central Army brings because uh, it, it literally seemed like a home game for Central. Even though South were higher on the ladder, uh, you know, they were the team, they were the favourites. Um, they'd beaten them two weeks earlier. The Central fans absolutely came in droves. And I think that's what got them over the line because as soon as... Riggs came back on late in the third term. She got involved. The whole crowd went nuts when she came back on. You, it, it sounded like almost like that elite level game when someone who's injured come back on. Like they get behind them. They were driving them forward. Every mark inside 50, every shot on goal, they were getting up and about. Um, and I think when Tia Huynh kicked that goal to put them within four points about five, six minutes into the last quarter, there was that air of... I think they could do it around the ground. And all of a sudden, the momentum was with them. And it seemed like that goal was the the drought breaker, the one that they needed just to give them belief. Because once you're within a goal, you just need something magical to happen. And I think from that point on, it basically lived in Central's forward half. You've got to give credit to South's defensive end because they were holding on for dear life for that whole last quarter. Uh, and I mean, there were a couple of shots that Central had towards the end. I know there were a few set shots that went uh, into the post or just missed, or there were a few rushed decisions under pressure. Both teams were making mistakes, um, but the crowd just seemed to get louder as the game went on. And then, of course, uh, going into that last minute of play, you saw uh, forward stoppage in Central's end. Caitlin Teague was chasing a ground ball, and, and Brooke Boileau was right behind her. Um, there was a tug of the jumper, the whistle blew, uh, and the free kick went to Teague, as we know. Uh, and then there was a 25-metre penalty as well, just to make sure of it, um, which I, I believe was for a second person over the mark encroachment. Um, of course, it could have been for um, in, any words spoken back, given the context of when the free was taken. I'm sure someone might have had something to say. But either way, regardless, the facts are that it was paid. She ran in, which I was a bit surprised about. If she'd missed that, it would have been... 
uh, pretty bad, but she ran in, kicked a goal, and of course, before another ball was bounced, the, they were declared premiers. So I think what we can take away from that was uh, not the fact the free kick wasn't there. I think that most people who don't have a horse in the race can understand that the free was there. It's just a question of would you be comfortable losing a, a grand final or a premiership off that free? And I think even central fans had the shoe being on the other foot would say no. Um, it was correct. So you can't really, you know, um, go against the umpire for that. They, they paid the correct call. I think it's more the inconsistency of the free kicks that perhaps, for example, Brooke probably did that five, six times in the game maybe, um, but it never got paid and that's the one that gets paid. So I think that's always the criticism when it comes to umpiring. And I think had that been paid in the first five minutes of the game, it's not talked about. Um, but the fact that it was the one that won the game, it's always going to get talked about. Or That's my thought. So obviously it's a bit unlucky um, and clearly the stakes were massive. You can't really blame the umpire who's doing his job, but um, yeah, it, it's just unlucky for South at the end of the day, because that was the one that got paid. We hope consistency can get better in the future, but theoretically it was there. So yeah, it, it was very interesting after the game though, obviously fair bit of, uh, animosity from south in general but the crowd were pretty happy so that's probably all that mattered for those there yeah yeah for sure uh including us of course we're up in the bleachers um yeah it was a pretty fun watch in terms of the atmosphere but a gutsy call from the umpire as you say and heartbreaking stuff for brooke boilu um there always is a winner and a loser of course you spoke about tia Huynh's goal and the fact that you know got them back got Central's back within a goal um, and they were in it. But after a goal, there's always a centre bounce and you need to win it from there. And the woman who was going to do that was Shelby Smith, of course, best on ground. Um, the Central's captain. Talk to me a little bit about her performance. Yeah, Shelby Smith is one of those players that you just know what you're going to get each and every week. And I, I sort of said to a few people in South Australia, if she was 10 years younger, she'd be on an AFLW list because she's just so consistent um, look, she's not the most polished player that's gone around, but boy, she's the player you just love. You would love to be a part of your team because she just goes in no matter what, no, you know, fear, doesn't worry about her own safety, just cracks in like some of these numbers, 20 disposals now, seven clearances, five inside fifties. Uh, they're good enough as they are, but 17 tackles. Um, is just remarkable. I know Caitlin Wenlin had the 21 touches, as uh, 21 tackles, I should say, um, but 17 tackles, like just playing that midfield role, she just cracked in and kept going and going and going. She played a captain's game. And by the end of it, I I was personally feeling that even if they lost that game, I think she was going to get the, the medal because she was the standout player. She got eight free kicks. I know, again, like there's been a bit of discussion about her getting free kicks, but no one can really doubt that she goes for the ball. She's not playing for him. She just dives on it to win it. And yeah, she's just a fantastic player. And it is a shame that she's probably just on that too older end of, of entering the AFLW. But I'd have no doubt that if a team, for example, a Sydney or someone like that, um, were to put her on their list, she would certainly not be um, the worst player there. She would definitely be able to hold her own. And um, she's shown it at that level, at state league level. She's got a lot of respect from her peers. And um, she's just a fantastic player. And um, now she's a premiership captain, which I think is well-deserved. 
Absolutely. Um, in terms of AFLW draft prospects, obviously you talk about Shelby Smith's prospects and perhaps maybe that's not going to be a thing for her in her career, um, albeit a great career nonetheless. But what about the youngsters that were afield, some of the top ages um, and girls in the future who are going to be right up in the draft conversation? Yeah, so the main one there is from Central is Elaine Grigg, who became the only player to win premierships both last year and this year, obviously crossing from North Adelaide, who won the flag in 2022. Um, Outstanding defensive pressure. She's just brilliant with that. She's one of the most agile players in the draft crop. I think she probably finished in the top two or three in terms of the agility test at the preseason testing. Um, Yeah, she's just hard to sort of get hold of because she's so slippery around there. She brings her own heat. She doesn't let too much worry her. She bounces back up. She often gets a few free kicks against her, which are really unlucky because she goes at full pelt. So I feel like um, the umpire sees someone charge at someone, and even if it's a legal tackle, she'll get it against her just because of the speed she's hit them at. Um, But she's one that I think is around that top 10 mark. Same with Brooke Boileau, who's not too far behind. She played another really consistent game, despite clearly she's going to remember that last moment and not look too fondly upon it because of the unfortunate um, nature of the hold. But still, she had a fantastic game, 16 touches, 11 tackles, five clearances. She led her team in the clearances and equal most tackles. So she held her own. She's really consolidating herself as that top 20 prospect, potentially even cracking top 15. Like I think she's a really underrated talent given that uh, the others that are in South Australia's pool. Uh, And then just for next year, obviously, you've got Charlotte Riggs as a a really good uh, possibility. She's someone who's a high flyer, really impressive. Jasmine Evans just keeps popping up in third quarters. I don't know how she keeps doing it, but she tends to come out in the premiership quarter and do something. We saw her kick a goal and, um, you know, a couple of just misses but she looks so dangerous inside 50 she's been a match winner this year she's another one to keep an eye on and um lily baxter for the future she's a a double bottom major she's one um that i think will be a very good player um and aside from that you've got Alyssa brook who's a developing key defender who played in the game didn't have her best game but still um was pretty impressive got those athletic traits clubs love um so she's another one and then just in terms of the mature age prospects you've got caitlin wendland who i believe is training at fort adelaide at the moment she's someone i think that's probably one of the more likely sample w uh, mature ages to step up she's just got that um really dangerous left foot uh and she can hit the scoreboard um as we said laid 21 tackles so a really good talent overall and i think she'll be one to keep an eye on um so there's quite a bit to take out of that game and also the season but Certainly still plenty to come, particularly for the junior ones. Absolutely. That's a nice segue, of course. Um, With the Sample W season over, there's still under-18 national championships. Of course, the under-16s have had their carnival run its course. But where to now, I guess, for all those um, those under-18 talents out of South Australia? Yeah, they've got a couple of um, big games coming up. Obviously, they'll have uh, Vic Metro and Queensland coming up, which are um, realistically two of the – probably the two – other strongest teams. Again, I, I can't see anyone beating SA. Queensland will give it a real shake. Um, I think they're going to be very, very good and they're going to be hard to beat by any standards, not just really for their top ages, it's their bottom and double bottom ages who are um, the ones that are really um, big shining lights, if you like. Um, so they're going to have a bit of an era of uh, impressiveness, if you like, over the next couple of years. I think SA and 
Um, Queensland with WA just behind them, uh, all pretty good for the next few years. Obviously, Vic, we, um, we've seen a bit of as well. They've got a bit of talent coming through now in the 07 crop and some top enders in the 06. Um, but yeah, SA up against Vic Metro will be a very good game and particularly against Queensland because I think the Queensland tools will be hard to match up on. But I think overall, um, they're, they're tracking pretty well. They're going to have the most top 20 picks if it was a national draft, depending on how it ends up. But obviously, uh, yeah, they've got quite a bit of talent. I think they'll have the most drafted um, per capita, if you like. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, they've still got a lot to play, but they're going pretty well. Absolutely, they are another state which is going very well. You mentioned there is Queensland. Of course, the Northern Academy sides with the Brisbane Lions, the Gold Coast Suns and the Northern Territory all played in the Coates Talent League girls competition recently. They had three games apiece. Um, We're going to recap how each of them went. So we'll start with the Brisbane Lions Academy, Pete, across round seven to nine. They defeated the Murray Bush Rangers by 43 points, the Sandringham Dragons by eight points and the Calder Cannons by 32 points. So three, you know, very, very promising results for the Lions. How did you rate their campaign? Yeah, they, they probably surprised me a little bit. I expected them to beat Murray. Um, I thought they'd probably have the better of Sandy and Sandy actually probably did the best of, of all three. I mean, results wise they did, but going up to Queensland as well, it was very impressive to see that. And then they beat those sort of out of form Cannons at the moment, um, which was potentially the best win of the lot. Uh, so really good on them. They're coming off an under-16s championship, uh, and now they're going to have a look to the uh, under-18s carnival for a few of those players as well, um, but more so for their top ages. Brisbane has tended to look at its, uh, for example, this year, 05, 06 crop, um, rather than put many 07s in. Gold Coast's a little bit different, but... Um, from a Lions Academy perspective, we've got Jacinta Baldwick, who's um, really been a surprise packet. Um, she's someone who has come into my thinking in terms of power rankings, not in the, the top end, but potentially when it gets extended out. She's someone who's quite good aerially. On, on the weekend against Kuparu, I did a player focus on her. She five goals from 20 touches playing forward. Um, she predictably played on a wing for the Lions. I think that's her spot, but she can roll forward. Um, she's av- averaged 19 touches over those three games at the Talent League. She's definitely one, I think, that stands out. Um, the two that are obvious, Rainier Crozier, um, or Crozier, I should say, is a key forward, did an ACL um, in the previous year. So she's someone who's coming back and incredibly athletic, great speed off the ground. She's someone who can be a marking target. I think she'll go... Um, pretty high in the draft, as will Sophie Peters uh, in terms of the Brisbane picks anyway. Um, Sophie Peters, just a bit of a classy mid, got a few things to work on, but um, certainly catches the eye when she wins it, takes the game on and um, not a high production player, but she's certainly one who I think is uh, worth considering. And then just after that, I didn't mind uh, Evie Long, who came in for a game just at the end against the Cannons. She showed a few nice promising signs and Ebony Milne's another one who's always around the mark as sort of that later option. And if she can have a good national carnival, she'll probably put herself in the frame. So, um, yeah, there's a bit of talent coming out of the Lions Academy. Absolutely. And there is plenty more in that Queensland crop coming out of the Gold Coast Suns Academy. They also went 3-0 and with some impressive victories. They got up over the GWV Rebels by 49 points, the Western Jets by 110 points, and they knocked off the ladder leaders in the talent league, the Oakley Chargers by two points. So great results. Um, probably ended up 
stamping themselves as maybe the best team in the competition um, across those three games. So impressive stuff. Hey, Pete. Yeah, to be honest, I, I think the Suns Academy um, would go close to beating a few of the uh, under-18s state teams, the way that they're performing. Obviously, we know, um, especially against the Jets, it was um, unbelievable the way that they just cut them up through the middle and, and piled on the goals. Um, in terms of their talent, uh, they've got a lot for next year and the year after. So I think that's probably more what you touch on. In terms of this year, I think their best prospect at the moment, Sienna McMullen, she sort of had a few delays coming into the season. So she isn't quite at her best yet, but she's usually a, a winger who we know played really well in the Futures game last year. She takes the game on, very smooth kind of mover, can set up plays, take um, you know, able to go inside if she needs to, but she'll be best suited to that wing. Um, her, I guess, opposite uh, in Josie McCabe, who's definitely that inside contested ball winner, massive tackler, um, just puts her body on the line each and every week. But I think the point of difference between McCabe and um, perhaps other inside midfielders is the fact she can go forward and take a contested mark and hit the scoreboard, which I think is really valuable to have as that kind of inside midfielder because often you'll overlook some of those contested ball winners as, you know, a dime a dozen type thing, but she can go and do that. And Ella Kalija is another one, or Kalija State is another one who plays at half forward, really strong overhead, and she's got a lovely kick for a taller player. Um, and another, an overager who I felt was unlucky last year, but she's got a fair bit of talent. So I think she's one uh, to keep an eye on. And Charlotte Adamson, who I've still got a, do a bit of digging into her because she's sort of come out of uh, nowhere really. So I might have to get on the, the blower to Sam Illies about her because they've found a very good one there. She's another overager, but one who um, really impressed me in the last in across the talent league. So she's one just to keep in mind uh, for this year. And then if you look ahead, like you've got Havana Harris average 21 touches, the most of any Suns player that ruck forwards aren't meant to average the most touches. So that's just remarkable. She'll be in pick one contention for next year. And, of course, Ava Usher, like, we, we know what she's going to do in a couple of years. Um, and it is very possible that the Gold Coast Suns Academies could have the next two pick ones in 06 and 07, depending on the state-based draft, draft rules, et cetera. But in terms of quality, there's every chance they have potentially the top two picks for next year's. Absolutely. Um, so very exciting times for Queensland. We're going to move a little further north Um with the Northern Territory, who had it a little bit tougher in their three games, of course, losing each of them by 54 points to the Gippsland Power, 23 against the Bendigo Pioneers, and then by 79 against the Geelong Falcons. But we know that there's always some exciting talent from the top end. So who are some of the players who caught your eye? Yeah, uh, like from a top age perspective, to be honest, there's not a great deal there this year. We know they've got some AFLW Academy members. I think not many of them really did a great deal in this. Uh, Sophie Berry's one who's outside that academy who um, looked at some nice things in the forward half. She played in the Futures game last year, so she's got a bit of talent there. Don't mind her um, around uh, the mark. If you look at next year's though, Tatiana Perry's the one to uh, really talk up. She's a genuine star, really. Um, and I think if she was in a strong team, she would just be lapping it up um, because she's just so classy and skillful. And um, in, in this situation, she's also got to win a, a bit more contested ball than you'd like for her, because even though she can play inside midfield, her best traits are on the outside. She's just so classy. 
Um, she can hit targets over different distances. She mops up in defense. She knows where to go, knows where to run. Um, she's the star player, really, um, and one of the best territory prospects to come out. Probably the best one, in my opinion, since probably Danielle Ponta, that kind of ilk. So she's very, very good. I think she's one to keep an eye on. Um, Emma Stark's another one. Most people know her for uh, umpiring the AFL women's game, the first, the youngest person to do that. Um, and, yeah, she's just got an elite endurance base, as you can imagine. Runs a 17 beat, which is, uh, yeah, right up there in the top 10 of the nation. Uh, but she's also got a few nice little traits, moves well. Um as a one to keep an eye on, as I said, for next year. And then from the 07 crop, you've got Marika Carlton, who she's the one who's won basically every award there is to a win in the juniors NTFL women's. I was interested to see how she performed against uh, higher quality opposition. And look, she held her own. She's not a massive production ball winner at this stage, but you wouldn't think so at 07 and, and not being tested at the level. Showed some clean hands, nice skills, got a bit to work on, but um, pretty exciting talent all up. And I think, Given that she's only, uh, you know, 2007 born, she's got a way to go and it's going to be exciting. We'll move down to Victoria now. Uh, Of course, the under-18 girls had their trial games, which are going to go a long way to, uh, well, I guess, finalising the under-18 squads for this year's national championships. Of course, they were in a little bit of an intra-club format this year. So we had in the first game, Vic Metro Green defeating Vic Metro Blue 8-15-63 to 2-6-18. Firstly, Pete, tell me a little bit, I guess, about the story of the game and then delve into a few of the players who stood out for you. Yeah, uh, so, well, Vic Metro is the first game up, obviously, at Werribee. So they had a bit of the lighter, um, uh, I guess, visual. Um, they were able to have a bit of the sun um, before it got dark towards the end of the Vic Country game. And um, to be honest, it looked early on as if uh, Vic Metro Blue were going to be the better team. They kicked the first two goals and um, were looking pretty exciting uh, at that stage. But then all of a sudden, Green came back and completely really dominated after that. Um, which was a a bit of a change, of course, from what it looked like early in the day. But in saying that, uh, I think the biggest thing to take away was that the bottom ages are better than the top ages. Granted that the likes of Alyssa Pisano and Laura Stone didn't play, so they were missing quite a few of the um, academy members, which was a bit different to the the country grouping. Um, But they were certainly out. So to be honest, the, the better top ages were the likes of Hannah Scott Kira Wiley, Georgia Stubbs, who are probably more uh, mid to late draft prospects. Um, So, I mean, they were able to get a good run, though, because of that. They were able to step up and and really influence the game. I think the bottom ages, I mean, it's pretty similar to the the Metro boys. um, And and shout out to listen to the Final Siren podcast where we speak about that. Um, But the bottom ages, Sophie McKay, um, obviously uh, Sophie McDonald, Sienna Talleridi, Sierra Greaves, like they're all these um, great bottom ages um, that can really uh, stamp their authority and be among the top prospects next year. There's a lot of good midfielders there and and some talls. McDonald's a really exciting uh, project tall. So I think she's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, as a whole, going at the champs, I'm not entirely sure how um, well they'll go. I think they've got enough to be really competitive and they'll probably win uh, a, a couple of games, but um, I think it's more about the bottom ages uh, for Metro, which is um, means setting themselves up for next year. So definitely, I think coming out of that game, there weren't massive performances per se from the top ages, but certainly the bottom ages staked their claims and showed that, yeah, we're going to be pretty good next year. 
And in the later game in Werribee, of course, it was white against red for Vic Country. Another one-sided affair, 10-10-70 to 0-5-5 was the margin for team white over team red. So, yeah, again, another one-sided scoring display. Can you give me the story of that game and, again, the players who stood out for you? Yeah, when I saw the team list for this, I was a little surprised because it kind of felt like the white team had maybe 80% of what I would expect the, the final Vic Country team to have. Um, and the red team had still some top age uh, and top talented players, as well as some that will be vying for it. But it did seem a bit lopsided looking at the lists and it ended up that way. But I was a little surprised because red actually only had one less inside 50 uh, than the white team did. It was just the white's defence was far better. Again, they, they had um, Ash Centra, Millie Lang, um, Gemma Ramsdale, they've got these players that are just natural interceptors and, and rebounders, which was a bit different to the red team. Um, so white, I felt, played really well um, across the board. Uh, red battled hard. They just didn't quite have the finishing that the white team had. Um, and again, un- there were some bottom ages stood up, but I felt like the top ages were more impressive in this game. Um, Brodie O'Rourke, uh, really, really good. I, I felt she solidified... Um, the justification to put her in the top 20 in the power ranking because she was sort of a coin toss between maybe one or two others. And she really solidified that. Michaela Williamson, she's improving with each game. Definitely warming to her being um, locking into that top 20. I think she's getting better and better the more minutes she gets out there and particularly got some midfield time, which was really great. Uh, Lily Jordan's one who I'm being impressed with all year. I like that when she's not kicking goals, she's laying tackles. So she just finds a way to get involved. She's dual-sided as well. Meg Robertson's another one, had injuries last year for the Stingrays. Um, a little rough in terms of her uh, disposal. Um, she kicked three behinds, but she's got those footy smarts, which help her. And I think with time, she'll get better. She's a natural ball winner. Um, and if we look to next year, look, you've got the likes of uh, Ali Simmons, who was really impressive in the ruck and playing key forward. She had the most touches for her side um, and just developing those sort of fundamentals, but she'll be a very good player. Sarah Howley, we know how good she's going to be. Um, add her in with Ash Centra, who played at um, centre-half back. Obviously, as I said, Lang was there with her too. Um, Lou Painter didn't play. They've got a real good core for next year, but I think Big Country are going to be a pretty strong team this year. Um, I think Vic Metro probably have the couple of really star top 10 talents, if you like, in Pisano and Stone and whatnot, um, where Vic Country have a fair few in the teens and then the depth seems to be better. So I feel like uh, Vic Country probably will um, give them a real shake overall, but I do feel like the bottom ages of Metro is uh, a little stronger around the ground, but the midfield of of Vic Country is going to be very, very good. So looking forward to see how they go uh, across the board in the champs. We definitely are looking forward to that clash. Another big game coming up, of course, sees the AFLW Academy take on another under-23 All-Stars contingent. So we'll preview that game in a sense. Um, What are your thoughts on, I guess, how it might go, how the two teams match up against each other? Yeah, look, I I think the AFLW Academy, there's a reason they're the AFLW Academy. They're the best kids from across the country. And... um, I, I think they're going to win by a lot, to be honest, um, because simply, you you know, you've got your, realistically, most of your top 10 or top 20 players are going to be in that team. So 
Um, it's always exciting to see how they go. But, of course, they're not used to playing with each other. Neither are the all-stars. But you've got your likes of Sinead Goody, Lauren Young, who play for SA, as we know, Brooksby, Griggs, that whole contingent. Um, but then you get to see the likes of Pisano coming in, how she goes against them. Stone, how she fits in that group. Um, uh, Window, as we said, coming off a league best and fairest. Uh, Georgia Clark up forward. Like, suddenly she's got um, multiple elite skilled midfielders kicking to her like this is what I think you really see how the forwards go because all of a sudden you've got Sinead Goody kicking to you who um, let's be honest I think just about any forward would love to see that happen so I think we're going to see some of the forwards perform really strongly Um, we do know they've had some injury concerns we know there's not going to be any Brooke Barwick Amy Gaylor like they've been like they've been recovering from ACL injuries um, possibly no Jamie Henry, um, Chrissy Lee Weston-Turner. They've both been out recently. Jess Vukic as well. Um, so there's been a few that have been um, missing in action. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the final team looks like. But I'm kind of looking forward to seeing some of the top 20 players um, thereabouts, like O'Rourke and Sarah Grundon and um, Lily Jordan, as I said, even Horsega, um, Belbin, Adams, uh, the, the types that are thereabouts for the, the power rankings or perhaps in that 20 to 30, 35 bracket, um, see how they test themselves against the academy. So I'd be very, very surprised if the academy uh, lost this game. I just don't see it happening. Um, but it is a really good test for the all-stars to see who can stand up against their direct opponent because for them, it's a t- chance to test themselves against a, a top 20 opponent or um, a really high-quality opponent um, and if they do well, then recruiters are going to take note of it. So it's a really good um, chance for those players, perhaps just outside that top-end draft capability, to really announce themselves on the big stage. Great opportunities, of course. And the big stage you mentioned, we should give you the game details, is Marvel Stadium. They're playing, of course, on Sunday, June 18, first bounce at 1.45 p.m. Um, that game's going to be a curtain raiser for North Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs in the AFL. Um, Again, before we wrap up, give me a few players, maybe names to watch who uh, may be out to, to really prove themselves, um, I guess, in, in a ranking sense and, and in terms of the relevance for your own power rankings. Yeah, I think for me, the, the biggest one will be the AFLW Academy, the midfielders, how they go uh, alongside the South Australian contingent. We know how they'll go. We know they're in the top enders. Um and then you've got the likes of uh, Sienna McMullen, Sophie Peters from Queensland, those those players that probably will play wing um, and get rotated inside, how they'll go. Um, perhaps Jess Wrench, um, she'll probably have a bit more time um, because she'll have quality outlets um, around her. Uh, all these players are playing in better teams than they're used to. Even, even the best teams that have won flags and all this, this is the best of the best. So they're playing with the best possible players um, and they've got a real opportunity, even pipe a window to see how she'll go. She could probably play permanent forward. She'll get her midfield rotation, but it'd be really exciting. Um, as I said, Georgia Clark um, up forward. Uh, and, and then you've got um, Crozier as well, like rotating between them. Um, it's, it's quite a stacked team. So really excited to see how they go. Uh, and then, yeah, a few of the other ones that I mentioned from the 23s, you've got Jordan Robertson, Grundon, the ones that are in that mix for sort of maybe that top 30 power rankings range. Chloe Adams is another one. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much 
uh, or how they fare against the best of the best. As I said, I expect it to be fairly uh, one-sided towards the academy, but um, again, it's an exhibition match. So we're going to see a lot of players rotated around, see what they can do, and um, hopefully they can put up a good fight. It's always a highlight of the year in an AFLW draft sense. We look forward, of course, to another huge weekend of action. Be sure to check out Rookie Me Central where we'll have our usual previews, reviews, scouting notes, and much, much more. That's all we've got time for on the latest episode of Game Sense. I was about to say Final Siren Podcast. That's another good podcast if you're interested. Pete, thanks for joining me again today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Really looking forward to getting to the footy on the weekend. Absolutely. So am I. You can make sure to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platforms for all the latest episodes and follow Rookie Me Central on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube at Rookie Me Central. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you tune in next week.